0: Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one delightful page of Talmud each day. And in today's pages, Bavakam 113-114, we have some talking to do about, yeah, customs, you know, everybody's favorite. Have a listen. The Gemara notes. There are those who teach the statements of Rabbi Hanina Bar Kahana and the sages of the school of Rabbi Anayi with regard to this following Mishnah. And its attendant discussion. The customs collectors would not levy a duty for the garments one was wearing. In light of this, the Mishnah teaches a person may not wear a garment made of diverse kinds, i.e., a combination of wool and linen, even if he wears it on top of 10 garments in order to avoid paying customs. It was noted that this Mishnah is not in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. As it is taught in the Baraita, it is prohibited to avoid paying customs by wearing a garment of diverse kinds. Rabbi Shimon says in the name of Rabbi Akiva, it is permitted to avoid paying customs in this manner. This brings up not just the matter of customs, but also one of my favorite prohibitions, the prohibitions against chatnez or wearing wool and linen combined. So much going on here. I know there's some kind of beautiful meaning very deep inside, and so I pick up the phone, and I called our friend and teacher, Rabbi David Bershevkin. How are you, my friend? Liel, what an absolute privilege and
1: pleasure, and the meaning in this passage of Talmud, which actually has very real ramifications, real world war ramifications, is quite startling and wild. The passage of Talmud that we just read said that you can't wear kilayim, which is known as shatnas, which is a mixture of wool and linen on a garment. There are many people all throughout uh, the United States and throughout the world who can check your suits and your coats to make sure that it doesn't have this impermissible mixture of wool and linen. Why it's prohibited, uh, we could talk about a different time. But you're not allowed to use it in order to evade a cut. There were taxes in many Jewish communities. They would levy most often very unfair taxes on the Jewish community, and there were people who would try to get out of this by pretending that they are not Jewish to get out of these taxes. And one way to prove that you are not Jewish is, hey, check out my suit, check out my coat. It clearly is prohibited by Jewish law. You'd have to have a very learned scholarly tax collector. But there were Jewish communities that were known based on what they wear and what they dress. So you can't change your dress in order to get out of tax collectors. That is what it is saying here. But there is a fascinating comment that is made in the Shulchan Aruch, which is the codification of Jewish law, that actually says you can wear shotnas, you can wear this impermissible mixture of wool and linen in order to hide your Jewish identity if they are coming to kill you. So you can't get out of taxes but if the government is an oppressive dictatorship, an anti-Semitic government is coming to kill you, and you want to hide the fact that you are Jewish, you can, in fact, wear this impermissible mixture of wool and linen to hide your Jewish identity. Why is this, in fact, relevant? This became extraordinarily relevant during World War II, and I'm sure still has real-world applications today. There is a fascinating article by my dear friend Kiva May, who wrote an article in Hakira called Jewish G.I.s and their dog tags my Zadie William Bishevkin served in World War II. He was a veteran. He was not in combat. He was in Caserta, Italy, in an intelligence station. He actually got the cable that ended World War II, which was extraordinarily valuable, until it was stolen from his car. This is a true story. Ah. The night before, he planned on driving uh, from Baltimore to his uh, home in Florida, which was really, really difficult at that point in his life, but... What's amazing is that a question arose during World War II is that most dog tags, for those who were in combat during World War II, actually had, if you were a Jewish soldier, had a little H on the dog tag that said H for Hebrew, that you are Jewish. And the question arose when people were fighting during World War II are you allowed to write R.C., meaning Roman Catholic? It was very frightening to go into battle, particularly against a Nazi army, knowing that if you fell into enemy hands, they are not going to treat a Jewish American soldier with all that much dignity. They didn't treat any soldiers with all that much dignity, but certainly if you were Jewish, you knew your fate was sealed. And the question arose, can I write R.C.? Can I have a dog tag that hides my Jewish identity? And it really comes back in many ways to the analysis of the passage before us. The passage before us says, look, you can't hide your Jewish identity in order to evade tax collectors, and you can't bow down to idols or or convert to Christianity. One is supposed to give up their life rather than convert to another religion. But can you wear something in order in order to hide and conceal your Jewish identity, if you are worried that you are going to, God forbid, be murdered or you're going to fall into Nazi hands. And this question did arise in very real ways during World War II. And it is based on our passage that we have a very noble leniency that allowed people to write R.C. on their dog tag, to hide their Jewish identity out of fear if they fell, God forbid, into Nazi hands. They weren't lying. They didn't say, I am Christian. They didn't say that I am no longer Jewish. They didn't renounce their Jewish identity, but they wore a garment. The exact situation in our passage just not to avoid tax collectors, but to avoid the Nazi army. And I think there's something so beautiful that you see from this in the way that Talmudicus interpretation unfolds in Jewish history. We hope for a time in history where Jews never have to hide their Jewish identity for fears of governments, oppressors, people who are trying to kill them, enemy armies, whatever it is. That time in history, sadly, has not yet fully arrived. But what we do still live in is a world where the wisdom of the Talmud still unfolds and gives us guidance throughout
0: history, within our everyday lives.
1: Baruch Hashem,
0: Rabbi David Bashevkin. Thank you so much for being our guest.
1: My absolute privilege and pleasure.